Hello and welcome to another episode of the Unnamed English Minds podcast. My name is Connor and joining us this evening is Sheridan Scrooge. Hello, Sherry. Sheridan Scrooge, where have we got this from? You sent me a reel uh, about someone called Sherry not liking Christmas uh, and uh, I think that surely means that that was a sign that you are in that kind of spirit yourself. I, yeah, no, I did. I, I decided with actually, that's a fair point. With all the snow that has come down this week, um, and and the prices at the Christmas markets, I've decided that Christmas is. Uh, I'm anti-Christmas. That's the stance I'm now taking on this podcast. Well, uh, I'm going to take the opposite stance, and that's what we call balance over here at the uh, Unnamed English Minds podcast. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, this is another podcast discussing a loss in this infernal season that we call 2023-2024. But I don't know if you agree. I think there's a few new things to discuss here, uh, which means at least the episode should be somewhat novel compared to the stuff we've produced so far in our previous 10 episodes. What do you reckon? I reckon we've got quite a bit to discuss. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. So, uh, dear listeners, let us begin. Yeah, so I wanted to start with a vibe check, honestly, because I think sometimes going into these kind of games, I think when we were discussing on the podcast last week, we weren't quite sure what to make of it. I think I was feeling quite optimistic, but then we knew that they were coming off the back of a very emphatic win over Olympiacos in the, the um, in Europe. Uh, so going into it, how were you feeling? I wasn't feeling confident as such. Um, I think I said this, a similar thing to before the Hoffenheim game. I wasn't necessarily feeling confident going into it, saying, "Do you know what? Yeah, we are going to spank this lot. This is, this is our day." But I, I wasn't. It was. It was no negatives. I don't think I wasn't looking at this going, oh, "Do you know what? That's like this is going to be. Uh, this is going to be a trouncing." Um, or I just don't have any confidence in us picking points up today. Um, I mentioned on the previous podcast, you know, we have recently, in, within the last couple of seasons, smacked this lot 5-0 at home. And the games we've had against them since have been fairly tight. I think we lost 2-1 at their place last season. Um, and then when they came to us in March, was it? During that 10-game unbeaten run, we got a, a equaliser. Curry Monizivo scored the equaliser with the last kick of the game. Uh, to send us all crazy and rescue a point, um, so it's it's a game that could could have gone either way, um, and and you know we've mentioned the the improving performances over the last three or four weeks. Um, I was looking at it, going, well, you know what? If we continue in the the same vein, there's absolutely no reason we can't win today. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I was thinking as well. I mean, going into the actual game on the day, I remember like walking up to the ground and specifically thinking, and it's a really sunny winter's day. It's bitterly cold, but like really bright sunny like to the point that I think we were sat in a, in a in a bar beforehand and the sun was directly in my eyes and I was just like oh, should have worn sunglasses which you never think for your first game of December um so I, I think that just put me in a really good mood for the game and I was really up for it and I mm. uh, was jo- yeah getting involved with all of the singing and stuff before the game uh another thing that really helped with the mood as well was that with about 45 minutes to the game uh still left uh, over uh, the under-19 scored a last-minute winner against Dinamo Minsk uh, in the uh, UEFA U- U- uh, Youth League, um, which, I mean, you know, th- so they played two games throughout the week, one on Wednesday, one on uh, uh, Sunday, which were both pretty tight affairs, uh, and then to get away with a last-minute winner from uh, Daniel Gleiber, uh, who we mentioned scoring the free kick on the last episode uh, in, in the first leg. Um Firstly, great moment for him. Secondly, great moment for the club and the fans. And yeah, it, it was a weird one. Uh, you could hear the murmurs of people sort of starting to celebrate and then it got announced over the uh, the tannoy. And uh, yeah, just 
celebrating a goal 45 minutes before the game starts is a pretty good way of beginning a, any fixture, really, yeah, isn't it? It sent a ripple of emotion through the crowd, didn't it? We were obviously on the uh, on the standing terrace, ready for the game. It, it felt like I felt when I was at Prague, when I mentioned last week, when I just randomly started celebrating and no one's really sure why we're celebrating until the, the rumour had got through the crowd. I like to think that's what it would have felt like being part of like a relegation battle or something in about 2003 before mobile phones were really a thing and everyone had their little walkie-talkie radios listening to the the news coming round across the grounds. That's how it felt, like that ripple of emotion just pushing through the crowd as people realised what had happened. Um, so now that's a great moment for the club um, and for the for the kids playing for the 19s, for Benny Hoffman, the coach, um, and it takes us into the, the playoff round of the UEFA Youth League. So I think we're into the last last 24 I think it is or however the the competition now works from there um yeah I think the winners of the group of like the big teams that are in the Champions yeah. League um go through automatically like another round um, and then we are a lot of people like the other guys yeah then play uh I think the ones that came second in the group so it's kind of yeah obviously great if you uh qualified for the Champions League with your men's team and then uh, come first in the group because you play less games. Uh, but we're hopefully going to get a really interesting team yeah. from that draw. Well, that would, that would make as sense. far as I've understood the permutations anyway, I think that's Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how, how it, it works. Is. So if that if that is how it's worked anyway, that means like you'd have the eight winners of the rounds that mine's played in plus the eight runners-up. And then you've got eight winners from those games go up against eight group winners to give you the round of 16. And then I guess it's a knockout competition from there. That would make sense. Um, but it does mean that I've not looked at the table, but uh, hopefully maybe, I don't know, a Real Madrid, a Chelsea, a PSV Eindhoven, a um, Botev Plovdiv. I don't know who's in the competition. Let's let's hope for a fun draw. Uh, <laughs> Something fun I mean, as an away uh, game would be. Get me on that mega bus. We're off. Yeah, some would say that um, podcasters should look up this stuff before they go. But I think we're, we're kind of recording this on the fly of just what we think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be really cool if we could get a draw that's sort of actually like you know either like a really glamorous club or uh, one that you know people that want to can go and actually travel to during the week or yeah that on a weekend whenever it's played that would be that'd be lovely for people i think because the way that the home games have been marked by like fans sort of celebrating the team sort of from the start to the finish as, as if it was like the men's team. Um, I think people would really appreciate it. Yeah, that journalistic rigour we promised at the beginning of the podcast hasn't exactly come about, has it? So what we're going to do, I'm going to have a quick look at the Wikipedia page to see um, who we could potentially draw. No, I'm not because it's not loading. Here we go. Um, this is this is what journalistic rigour looks like, lads. This is this is two lads that, that know what they're doing on this podcast for you. Stick with us because it's going to be okay. Um, looking at it now, it looks like we could get Real Madrid, Braga, Feyenoord. There's lots of random teams in there. And then you've got the other lads that have come through the same round as we have, like Nantes, AZ Algmar, who won the competition last season. So that's what I've said on a previous podcast as well. There's the actual what like the men's team do in, in, in uh, the first team football isn't necessarily a good barometer of what the kids can do. Because uh, I don't think you'd have AZ Alkmaar down as winning the Champions League anytime soon. Certainly not in the men's game. I don't think you'd have us getting through the round of a competition either. Winning the game of football, so, uh, <laughs> full stop. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the opportunities are endless and we'll keep people up to date when we hear more. I think we don't know when the draw is going to be. I think let's not go any any crazier. We'll just, get, we'll, we'll just enjoy it for what it is. 
another thing that we can enjoy uh, obviously you were making mates with some of the team and the manager as well weren't you on Saturday yeah I did so I went to um, a game in Mainz on, on Saturday afternoon I went to watch uh, Shop Mainz uh, where the where the ladies play so they have a men's team that play in the Regionalliga in the fourth division of, of German football and then we popped along or I popped along to meet the guys at the Christmas market that we ran so the club had a Christmas market of its own at the, the Stadion am Brückweg our old stadium um, and, and a couple of beers with people, a couple of glue vines, and uh, suddenly Silvad Widmer, the captain, popped along. We um, said hello, he was poking his nose around the stalls. I'm not sure if he was upset that people didn't originally recognise him because he kind of walked right through the middle and nobody got their head up. But where it was so cold at that point, obviously the sun had gone down, he'd got his snood on, he had his gloves on, he had a hat on and everything. I don't think anyone would have recognised Cristiano Ronaldo walking through or Lionel Messi. He was so well covered. Um, but he took a lot of time for the fans. I sat and had a chat with him um, and he was saying to me, you know, the, the, the players want it, the coaching staff want it. Um, we noticed that the fans are right behind us as well. So that was a nice conversation. Um, and then met Jan Ziva, the manager, um, and uh, Robin Sentner as well, who, if Robin has left any lasting impression on me, it's just that he is ginormous. The man, like I thought I was tall, but the man is huge. Well, I mean, it's good to see that we're getting back to the journalistic rigor that you obviously <laughs> uh, really wanted to provide when we started this podcast all this months ago. Uh, so yeah, he is huge. And also the sad thing is that he is injured. Uh, he missed the game on Saturday. Uh, we don't know sort of what it's going to look like in the coming weeks, whether he's going to be available for selection again soon. But that meant that he was, that was really the, the main discussion before the game is who's going to be in goal. Is it going to be uh, the older veteran that we've signed to kind of fill the role on the bench this season uh, in, t- in terms of Daniel Batts? Uh, or is it going to be the young uh, potential uh, future talent uh, of the club uh, in Lasseris who uh, has kind of come through the under-23s team uh, very recently and also been on the bench quite a bit? Uh, and I, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, <laughs> It's kind of a little bit frustrating to see Lasseris not get the chance because obviously we have that experience of Finn Darman leaving after having such promise and then just not getting the time and getting to a point in his career that actually you need to leave to go and play football somewhere else. And you just want to hope that that doesn't happen to another player that seemingly, like all of the talk and everything I've seen of him, that he could be a similar level of talent. Yeah, no, 100%. And this is a conversation that, you, like I say, you and I had um the night before the game is is actually another sign of the club just not trusting young goalkeepers. We have certainly in recent season had a good track record of bringing goalkeepers through the academy. You only have to look at your Florian Müller, who now plays in the the Bundesliga uh, for um, he's at Freiburg now, isn't he? Um, I think he might be the number two, but he's he's played a number of seasons or certainly quite a few games as a number one in Bundesliga in the Bundesliga. Um, Sentner obviously came through the system and is number one with us. You mentioned Finn Darman, who went to Augsburg primarily because he wasn't getting football. Um, and now we've got a situation with with Lasse Reese, um, who is only 22, but has proven um, in, in the football that he has played that he is a very trustworthy, good goalkeeper. Um, and he's a very solid option to have. So, that, you know, Daniel Batts coming in isn't, isn't the worst thing. We've, it's not, I, I'm not in a position to be able to say which goalkeeper is necessarily better because I haven't seen a lot of football from either of them. Um, but he's, I don't think he's been thrown under the bus in behind a, a, a number three, number four goalkeeper. You know, Bats was at Zabrücken for years. He's early 30s. He's kind of in the prime age you'd expect from a goalkeeper and he's a very solid option. Um, 
So it's uh, it's interesting to see what will happen. I mean, the, the only journalistic rigor I can provide on that Zenta one was when, when I spoke to him and said, you know, how's your hand? He said, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I definitely won't be there tomorrow. But realistically, I should be out for two or three weeks, but I might already be back next week, depending on how it heals. And the way that Mainz have run this season in terms of injuries, it would not surprise me whatsoever to see him in goal in Cologne again on at the weekend. So we might not even have to have this conversation about bats and Reese. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I think even if it gets to the point of the, the goalkeeper that played uh, on on Sunday this week, then plays on Sunday the following week, I, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a conversation about that because I don't think you then select a goalkeeper to then immediately change over to the other goalkeeper to like rotate because uh, I, you know we're not Mikel Arteta, so we're not going to play goalkeepers tactically. You, you you pick someone, and hopefully, I mean. You know, I, I think Bats was actually pretty okay on on Sunday. Um, didn't have a load to do. Um, had a couple of sort of moments where I think he had, had to kind of find his way back in. But hopefully, for that ninety minutes behind his back, it'd be better the following week if we do have to call on him. I think it's just interesting with with having basically those two backups that you can make arguments for both of them playing um, when Zenner's not available. Who I think is obviously just the undisputed number one at this point, at least for the next year or so. Uh, it's interesting to either choose to bring in bats uh, in the summer or to choose to not let Reese go out maybe to a second division club and just gather 34 games under his belt just so that when he comes back, he's actually maybe able to push center that little bit more. Um, similar to how Darman did. Um, obviously, Darman didn't end up getting that loan either and that's probably partly why he wanted to leave. I think it's just one of those things where like looking at it like, I don't want a, rep- a repeat of the sort of exit that we had before of a talented goalkeeper just because he stuck behind a ultimately very good number one uh, in, in Robin Sentner who have, I have very little negative to say about. So it's a, it's a positive uh, issue for us to have, but it's still something that we, yeah, I guess we'll always discuss. Otherwise, in the team lineup, the other changes that we had were Vandenberg coming in for Edmilson Fernandez, uh, who was announced in, as, as being injured in the final training before the game when the lineup was released. So that was a, a bit of a blow, but also good in the same token to see Vandenberg coming up from back from suspension. And otherwise, uh, Brian Gruder came into the lineup for Eamon Barcock. So otherwise, it's as you were. So, what was your thoughts looking at the team eleven? Yeah, uh, before the game. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I, I think it was, um, it was, it was as you were. It was, it was the team that you would expect to put out based on the players you had available. Obviously, it was a shame after his performance in Hoffenheim that, that Eddie Fernandez injured himself the day before, or, or with the final training session before the game. He um, potentially could have been a big miss, particularly if he'd come out and and put in a performance again like he had done against. Uh, against Hoffenheim. Um, it was exciting to see to see Gruder back in the team. Um, and it, it was, I think, Tom Krause, certainly in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, dropped in to form the five um, in that kind of flexible centre-half role that, that Dominic Corr has been known to play one or two times this season. Um, but, it, but it changed quickly based on the flow of the game. And, and potentially for the first time this season, we were actively playing with a back four. Yeah, I mean, I think probably where it's different to Hoffenheim, where he did the same kind of role, is that we had a lot more of the ball. So, uh, especially in that first half, uh, I think where yeah, where where we've he's probably been dropping in a little bit when we've been off the ball. Um, he uh, was yeah, for my money, being allowed to sort of do sort of that more creative role in midfield, just in the sense that for a lot of that first half, we were pinning them in in their own half and uh, not looking too. It, they weren't looking too dangerous on the break. So it was a nice change. I mean, basically, I think first half of the game, 
is possibly the best I've seen us play all season without scoring, if that makes sense. I think we basically came out of the blocks immediately very, very hot um, and we're trying to get that early goal. Um, didn't quite work out, but there are a number of sort of decent chances getting into good positions. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't have argued quite so hard, like hard for, well, at least we're making chances if we're going to miss them because... We we missed so many chances. That's just like, oh my god, this is now a this is now a problem. I'm feeling vexed about because, yeah, honestly, uh, we, we could have been easily two goals up after the 20 minute mark. Yeah, 100. percent And it's it's the the golden problem, if you like, isn't it? Because what do you what do you want? Do you want a team that doesn't create chances and you know then then creates one a game and, and wins every game one nil, or do you want to watch attacking, entertaining football where you get five, 10, 15 chances a game and you maybe only take one or two of them but at least you take one or two of them. Unfortunately, we, we haven't really hit either of those and we've created the 10 chances without scoring any of the goals. The big one that comes to mind was is I think within the first five, 10 minutes is a Jork um, who's got himself in behind the defence and, and, and lifted the ball over the goalkeeper and sadly over the crossbar as well. Um, but there were there were certainly, like you say, in the first 20 minutes, it was it was incredibly positive to think where we've come from at the beginning of this season to, to where we now find ourselves. Um, I'm almost unwilling to get angry about the fact that we lost the game because it was it was such a positive performance. But sadly, like I said last week, we do still find ourselves in a relegation scrap. And at some point, that dam has to break, if you like, and this, this chance creation has to lead to goals so that we can put points on the board. Um, yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm completely there with you for the first half because I think if you look at... If you look at it in the context of Jan Zivert's time as a manager for us so far, um, in the time that he's just kind of been doing it week on week, the previous game before he took over in the league was Bochum, where we didn't create, we didn't have a shot in the first half. So to now have basically that second half in Hoffenheim and the first half uh, against Freiburg, where you've just created the vast majority of chances in the game. So, uh, okay, we didn't score in either of those halves. Uh, and we also conceded to Hoffenheim in the, the second half there. Um, but to have that 90 minutes back to back where you just create chance after chance after chance, uh, I think it is still a much more preferable problem to have. And it's, it's something that you can kind of, you can then start to think, well, okay, if we're now going to start creating chances for players to put on the plate, we put a couple of chances on the plate, speci- specifically for a mm-hmm. What I think the, the, the big one is in the second half. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah. That. Um, but you start to look at that and I think if if I'm a striker sitting there looking for a club in January potentially I'm wanting I'm probably more likely to want to go somewhere where I think I'm going to be given chances to score and I think we have to sort of look at it in that way because I think when we come on to look, discuss the second half we got to a point where to a certain extent you know, we'd missed those two big chances that um Ajork had uh, we hadn't quite worked as clear openings in the second half either uh, and then what you want is to make changes from the bench that are going to really impact the game. And I think, unfortunately, that's kind of where it kind of where it slightly went wrong is that the changes that we make, although I think I can't really argue with the personnel that were brought there. I just think you basically want after a shock's missed two big chances uh, to take him out of the firing line a little bit, let him sort of work that out of his head, get, get back there next week, uh, whatever, but just bring on someone that maybe is just going to have a little bit of a clearer mind in front of goal. And if the next, yeah, 50% chance drops to him, that he's going to slot it, slot it in. So I think that's probably, if I'm looking at the, the squad in January, I'm thinking we really need a striker that's going to come in and just score, similar to what Jacques did last season, six, seven goals uh, in the second half of the season. And that will just give everyone a lift and that will make it easier for someone like 
Johnny Burkhardt to come back into form after that really long injury break. And it's great to see him get on. And that was emotional in the stadium as well. And then obviously once like Nelson Viper gets back, I, I don't think these things will impact their playing time because I think it's a case that we have so few like true number nines that you're basically asking a Jork to uh, do everything himself and score all of the goals, which I think to a certain extent, not his game. I think I've seen him take a lot of flack and it makes sense. You're judged as a striker by goals and he missed two very, very clear chances. I think it wasn't for lack of trying. His all-round game, I thought, was actually pretty good in the link-up play and the way he linked specifically with Richter and Gruder in the first half was great. Um, but he's, he's very clearly, clearly a confidence player and I think he probably will suffer for the fact that he has missed those chances, unfortunately, and people have maybe got a bit on his back. Yeah, yeah. I, looking at that, I think it's what we were saying back in the, the first day of the season against Union Berlin, and you think back to these two penalties he missed in the same game, whether that, in the same game, whether that, what we feared knocked his confidence so much that it is, is actually carrying on. And he may be, like you say, one of these players that actually just needs one of those chances to drop in. Um, or, or it's just something awkward, something bobbly, just whatever it is, just come off his ass for all I care, as long as it ends up in the back of the net. Um, and and like he may feel the same way. He's like, actually, it doesn't matter. It's like, it come off me little toe, it come off me butt, it can come off me shoulder, as long as the thing goes in, because then I can start building on that. Um, and, was saying that and, and and trying to protect not protect the player. He's you know he's not uh, the worst player in the world. We're not here to to say sack him and, and things like that. But you know you look at the chance at the beginning of the second half that you already mentioned. You think that is the is just a sitter. It is a, a, a golden opportunity. Um, the the wingers hit the byline. He's pulled the ball back. The goalkeeper's gone wand about. Um, is absolutely nowhere near it. And you've got the, the freedom of Mainz, you've got the freedom of Rheinland Pfalz to put the ball in the back of the net and, and somehow he's not even managed to put it out for a goal kick. He's passed it back to the goalkeeper. Um, so it's difficult, but I, I, I think it's a valid point to then bring in the likes of Johnny Burkhart, who's who's coming back and he's had a few uh, um, uh, performances, he's had a few um, perfor- yeah, performances now um, Nelson Viper will come back eventually and whether you necessarily need to go and get a striker in January because you have two strikers that will come back from injury that we know can score goals that we know are dangerous individuals going forward um, and if we continue to play in the light that we currently are um, whether these are the kind of players that will come in and snaffle up these chances that Ajork's missing because it would give the opportunity then for Ajork to focus on what he's good at and that's being a big shit house, bringing the ball down mm. and laying it out to people to then put balls into the box that might ping around a bit but your likes of Burka and Viper are more in the mind to be able to to gobble those kind of chances up and, and smash a loose ball into the roof of the net which at the moment is is kind of all we need we don't need anything beautiful we just need someone who's who's got the, the nose about him to to drop a yard off the centre half when the ball pops down to then just crash it into the bottom corner thanks very much so um, yeah it, and, 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 that, and that chance that he missed is 100% a confidence thing because it's yeah I, the thing is it's not it's it, it's an open goal and it's quite a presentable chance. But it's also one of the things it comes straight to him very quickly, and it's just the kind of thing you just need that mental sharpness to switch on and. Yeah, it is, isn't it? The ball's the ball's been pinged back into him, and it's just a case of turning your ankle in the right way. Because if if you open your the angle out of your ankle even more, the ball bounces off it and goes into net, whether you meant it or not. Um, yeah. So yeah. So uh, I think it's interesting. I I think I I kind of look at it in the sense of we've lost so many players in that attacking part of the squad that I still kind of I just want someone that's gonna kind of just kind of make it easy like ease the mental load for everyone in terms of I think we have got this slightly streaky in front of goal striker that does stuff away from the penalty box uh 
that's good in terms of a shock. And and then I think we've got quite dynamic players elsewhere that for various reasons, I think we have to build up slowly in terms of uh, Bill Cutts injuries. And well, Viper also has had a serious injury and uh, is young as well. Gruder to a certain extent as well. Rich does not like a proven goal scorer on a, on a, on a long-term basis, uh, as good as he's looked in the last couple of weeks for us. So uh, I think as soon as you, you know that there's someone in that team that's just going to just, you know, one in two, maybe even one in three. I think you just l- make it a little bit easier for everyone else in that attack um, just to kind of, yeah, think a little bit more clearly and make the right decision. Because I, I think as well, uh, I was listening to the Hinterhof singer earlier and this was a great point that they made on there that uh, we, we keep getting into positions to make shots, but then not really taking them. Mm. Um, and that was something that was frustrating me throughout the game as well. If you were to level any criticism at Richter or Gruder in that first half, for example, a lot of the time it was, right, I've beat another man, but how can I beat another man yeah, no. uh, before I end up getting there? And that was why we, there was a lot of people sort of getting on the referee's back, probably for some fair points and maybe for some that were not quite so fair. Uh, one one kind of running battle throughout the game that I saw was Gruder going down a lot and not getting any change out of the ref, basically. Uh, I think some for most of the things, it probably was a foul. Sometimes I think he was exaggerating it a little bit. And then it gets to the point where you're on the halftime break and rather than just shoot the damn thing, um, he goes down in the box wanting a penalty. And it's just... Yeah, it's... Maybe, again, just that little bit of clarity to just shoot two seconds earlier yeah. I, I, and I we're mean, not having the discussion. Especially with Gruder as well. Like He showed us in Gladbach that the boy can hit a ball. Um and and the amount of times I found myself, especially in that first half, like you say, with Gruder and, and Richter does as well. I don't know where he's coming from, but he seems to always want to beat the extra man. And the amount of times I found myself with my head in my hands, guys, hit the sodding thing. Just put your foot through it. At least if the ball goes flying over the crossbar, you know, we've had a go. You've tested the goalkeeper to a certain extent. You, we've, we're looking at the defence and going, go on then. Whereas if they know that they've just got to take a, a yard off of you because you're going to try and beat them anyway. Um it was it was it was painful at times um, because once we did get ourselves into a position like you say where where the ball's been played into a good area and you've just got to tap it in the back of the net we couldn't do that either so not only were we not able to to, to shoot from range but we also weren't able to shoot from six yards out um, but again it is it, it's it's kind of complaining at the highest level isn't it because now we're, we're suddenly if we look back to the conversations we were having four weeks ago where we were saying do you know what lads like I went down seventeen rows because we want a throw in today. Um, it was it's it's so much more fun to be able to have this god I wish we would shoot in that situation or I wish you know we would change this slightly in that situation and we'll get goals from that Um, I know I I think I think the problem for me uh, to a certain extent is currently the lack of a classic number nine there isn't somebody in the center of the box that you know when the ball's going to drop to him he's going to pop it into the top corner into the bottom corner he's going to do something that results in a goal doesn't matter how he does it um Jork's not that player at the moment because of the confidence. Johnny Burkhart, um played wide on the left. I think he came on and replaced Richter for the last 20 minutes. And that seems to be more his natural position anyway, kind of picking the ball up in the wide area and or, or coming inside. You know, the ball's out on the right and he makes that diagonal run across the fullback. Um, and, and the kind of classic number nine uh, you'd be missing would be uh, Nelson Viper. Um, at the extent of his injury, we obviously don't know. Um but in terms of players, and, and it's not somebody you would want to come, I personally wouldn't want to come back to the club, but you look at the likes of uh, JP Matata, for example, um, that's being scouted out by by Frankfurt for the for the winter window because he wants away from Palace in the Premier League. Um, despite attitude problems that he had with us, is exactly the kind of player I think we need through the middle 
Um, because I know that when the ball comes into the box by hook or by crook, he's going to find the back of the net at least five, yeah, and, ten times. And, and basically what you want is to find the 2018 version of JP Mateta that is new in 2023, I yeah. guess, in terms of... Don't necessarily want a, to sign someone that's been at the club before, that's someone that we know, but someone that can come in and give us something and offer that a little bit different, maybe it'll be a little bit raw and do something... Uh, rough with a smooth obviously we, we've got some of those players in our team that we can use uh, once Viper's back Gruder's uh, a rough diamond uh, as well um, but yeah maybe someone that's just a couple of years older just needs to take that little next step having maybe played uh, at a lower level in a different league mm. or some, somewhere else for a couple of years so um, yeah I, I think it's I think it's a good point uh, and like it's, it's a much, we're in a much better position to be in and then to the point that we were discussing kind of a little bit earlier on the podcast about at some point you do need to start putting points on the board I think probably the one thing where I kind of take a little bit of solace here is that at least this is the first game under Ziva where we've dropped points so mm. but in terms of we've not picked up a single point so we've dropped points in a couple of draws but in terms of uh, the game so far we have been sort of adding points to our tally so to the point that we're at eight points now and you kind of look at that thinking if we can manage to sneak three or four points now before Christmas which I think would be a pretty for the par for the course return against Cologne, Heidenheim and Dortmund mm. uh, four, four from nine maybe um, I think you look at that and you're thinking do you know what I, I wouldn't mind that 12 points going into Christmas hopefully sort of do well against Wolfsburg at home because they're a little bit up and down uh, go through 15 points and I, I think if you double that that's probably enough to stay up in the league this season and hopefully we'll be better in the second half of the season as well with some some additions and some tweaks tactically uh, after a couple of weeks of trading behind closed doors so um, yeah it's really frustrating to play so well and not get points because I think we would have been more than good value for all three the problem is that ultimately in games like this if you don't if you keep missing chances, there is always a sting in the tail. Uh, and Gregorich scored on the turn, made it 1-0. I think it's one of those ones where you kind of, you're looking at it and you're like, it just, it feels like a really, a really annoying goal to concede because I can't, again, it's it's one of those things I'm not, I, I don't know if I necessarily blame anyone individually for it. I don't even know if it's really a structural issue. I think it's just that eventually, at some point in a 90-minute game, a team like Freiburg are going to create a chance. Yeah. And if, you, if you've not scored, then you're going to be punished for it. And it just knocked the stuffing out of us. We just weren't at it after that. Yeah, it's, it's the classic 90 minutes, isn't it? Like you say, that if you go forward time and time again and you don't put the ball in the back of the net, then you're going to get hit on the counter eventually. All of the teams in the Bundesliga are in the Bundesliga for a reason. It's because they have their qualities. Um, and and Freiburg only lost a couple of players after having played in the Champions League. Uh, they, they, they were going to they were always going to hit us eventually um, and, and they did and unfortunately we weren't able to deal with it. Um, it. It's nice to be on a podcast and not talk about a ball into the box. It was uh, it was kind of through the middle and he's, he's got away from the last man and, and, and tucks it into the corner from the edge of the box. Um, but it's, it's, it's just all the more frustrating because you come away from the game going, that is exactly the, the kind of dirty, horrible sticky 90 minutes of football where you've created the better chances that you need to go it's in a situation we're in that you need to score in to, to, to put the points on the board because there's going to be games at the rest of this season where we get played off the park um, there is going to be games where we go in and we get muscled off the park we are just not going to be the better team and having gone through the season we're in to having been the better team and still not picked up the three points that's what really hurts and um, 
I'm hoping that the players are able to look at that and take all the positives from the game because there were a lot of them and go into Cologne and say, right, if we continue in that same vein, this is absolutely a team that we can go and put down a statement against and say, we, we are not going down this season. Um, they're right down with us. They're not having the best of times. It's going to be, a, I reckon, a horrible 90 minutes of who's, who can kick the hardest, basically. Um, but if we show the creative talent and the, the, the kind of solid talent as well, you know, we, got, we, we talk about what was happening going forward, but actually we didn't let them play football for a long periods of the game. We didn't let them um, play the styles that they want to play, which is also a positive in itself because there have been times this season where we've just been rolled over completely. Um, so if we take all of these positives as, as one factor from, from the Freiburg game and take that into Cologne, I, I think, Sun, Sun, uh, Sunday could be a real statement day but you have to do it you we just absolutely there's no more excuses there's no more I don't want to be hearing from from Heidel and Schmidt after the game our oh, lads you know what well, we were a better team again and oh it's coming it's coming because I said earlier the dam has to break eventually it's coming those points have to be put on the board um so I'm I'm actually very nervous about Sunday's game but equal, oh, equally positive it's the it's, it's the 100% like quintessential relegation six-pointer like there's no way around it like that's what it is you go into that game I think the thing is thinking about it like you can't you you can't afford to lose is probably the wrong thing because I think you have to risk something to get three points out of that game we can't go up there and try and do Darmstadt away 2.0 um however we really can't afford to lose because like they're the other team that really sort of mired down there that you think they might stay down there for uh, quite a considerable amount of time more. Um, if you look at someone else like Union, where you kind of expect to probably sort of throw a bit of money at it in, in uh, January again and try and get out of there, and it probably will work out. With Cologne, I just kind of look at a manager I don't rate that highly, a team I don't rate that highly, that don't play that great football, which I'm sure a lot of people look at us and think the exact same thing. Uh, so I kind of look at them as a, that's a real marker of if you can go there and get three points, you're pretty good in the relegation battle. Like I said, I think game for game, we've moaned a lot about Darmstadt privately and publicly uh, for that for that performance. <laughs> I think you can kind of basically look in terms of since Sievert's come in in the four games, there's been a game on game improvement, possibly aside from Darmstadt. But you can you can look at it in terms of we we laid the basis against Leipzig, earned the right to play, finished them off, got three points, which was just mentally so important. We then kind of tried a new tactic again against Darmstadt. In that particular game, it didn't work out in terms of providing thrilling football or a result we're particularly happy with. But we tried the the, the blueprint. We improved the blueprint for Hoffenheim. Should have come out of that game with a win, got a point. And then I think we went on another slight evolution again uh, against Freiburg. And um, again, haven't come out of the game with a point. You then start to think, okay, well, we continue to improve. So if we make that next sort of little improvement, which might just be clearing the players' heads in front of goal, uh, it might just be just working a slightly clearer opportunity or whatever it is. I'm not on the training pitch. Uh, That should hopefully be enough for three points against a a pretty bad team. As much as they will fight for everything as well, and they did the same against Darmstadt and came away three points on Friday. So it's interesting. What do you think? I mean, I know you're busy mates with him now, so you're probably not a neutral here, (laughs) Sheldon. But what what do you think? Where's your head at with uh, Jan Ziva at the moment? My my head is currently at the... Give him until Christmas. Um... I don't think there's, like we were saying last week, there's no rumours of, of anybody coming in to take over. So I don't think there's a lot of danger unless there's something hidden privately behind the scenes that we don't know about of him not being in the hot seat, as it were, until Christmas. But I, I, 
I'm not sure because I, I'm you can I, you can only work on what you've seen in, in football and you can only work basically on, on results and performances. And I think what Ziva has shown um, is that he is bringing an improvement out of the players and he is um, showing something slightly different to what we had. And it is producing, certainly in terms of performance, potentially not points on the board at the moment, but it is, it is producing results. And my main problem is at what point do you stop focusing on those improved performances and you bring in somebody that you know is going to actually change the tactic to a certain extent where you, you do kind of what you need to do in, uh, to, to, for long periods in relegation fights and learn how to kick other teams off the park. And just it doesn't matter how you do it, by hook or by crook, you put three points on the board with a with a 1-0 win, with a, a 2-1 win. Um, however you do it, it doesn't matter as long as you do it. Um, and and the club, I think, needs to find the right balance or work out what the right balance is going to be between having someone come in early enough that they can make their additions in January to go, this is the style of football we're going to play for the rest of the season for the Rukwanda, um, so that we put enough points on the board to stay in the Bundesliga, or saying to Jan Ziva, do you know what? The, the, the performances have improved fantastically the results have improved to a certain extent through that as well you've got that until the rest of the season you know we're gonna we are gonna put our trust in you and we are gonna go with that internal solution um show us what you can do and, and then you can evaluate that in february or march if it hasn't worked out but you know and then you come up with an emergency solution but again it's a balance between the the risk and the safety of um do you need to go for an emergency solution uh, emergency solution do you want to go for one um or, or do you just put your trust in this guy and say, "All right, you've shown what you can do. Keep doing it." Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I'm there with you. I think I, if they were to say at this point, "We'll give it to him for the rest of the season," I think I'd be sort of relatively happy. I think I'm kind of still hanging out. We've got we've seen a little bit of a new manager bounce so far, and I'm hanging out. I'm hanging in for that like second new manager bounce, mm. like really taking us onto dizzying new heights, and we'll late, late charge up the table, winning one uh, nil, and do something. <laughs> yeah, just winning one one nil every weekend. <laughs> That'd be beautiful. Imagine. Um, I think the thing. So the thing from my perspective that would be truly indefensible is if, like, by the end of the year, we haven't decided where we're going in terms of mm-hmm. letting him sit there in that position and make that his own, or going to someone else to do it. So uh, I'm not fully Siva in at this point because, I feel like, I mean, like I said, the results have been okay, but they've not been mm. so much that they're gonna sort of win over my skeptical nature on this one immediately. Um, but the improvements there, and I'm 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 relatively happy with it so far. So I think it's one of those ones. I'll basically be okay with whatever decision they make, as long as they make a decision. Yes. And it's kind of before the window, so that someone can come in and actually take the whole of January. And yeah, like I say, I don't think there's much that they can probably do in the January window. It's not great for value, and it's not great for really doing sort of surgery on your squad because you know there's not a lot of time on the training pitch that you have there, but what benefit we can wring out of the transfer market, we definitely should do because, you know, probably will be a, a tough second half of the season regardless of what happens. Yeah, so, regardless of what happens. Uh, it's going to be the, the next three games. Uh, sorry to interrupt me. The next three games are going to be crucial for Ziva, aren't they? Because if you lose to, to Cologne and Heidenheim, who are on paper two teams you'd be looking to beat, you can you can kind of take Dortmund as a bit of a free hit. Um I get the impression, certainly from their fan perspective, they're going to be right up for it after what happened on the last day of last season. And that's... that's they should have just not been rubbish at football. Those well, absolutely. I fully agree with you. And that's, that's <laughs> what all of them were saying to us. And that's what all of them were, or what we were saying to them. But social media is a, a weird place. Um, I, I, I just think four points from nine 
six points in an ideal world, nine points in dream world. Um, and Ziva, for me, you would look at it and then go, go on then, you know, show you've again, like you've, you've shown us what you can do. You've shown us the improvements currently haven't got a reason not to believe that you can take that on into the second half of the season. Let's do it because we just don't want to end up with the German Sam Allardyce in March. That's the problem. That's that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, absolutely not. Or just, you know, another version of Akin Bialort. So what a oh. terrible time that was. Uh, on that really negative note, I think we're going to have to end it here, Sheridan. So uh, shall we try and raise the vibe one last time before we go? Are you, are you feeling confident ahead of the next few games? <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult question, isn't it? For the sake of... I've, I've really sent you to the hospital. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's an absolute yeah. hospital ball of a question. No, I, um, I am. I, I, I'm looking at Cologne and going, we're, we're going to get the three points. And that is the, the optimist in me is like, I can imagine it already on the train back to Mainz on, on Sunday night, on the party train back, having got the biggest win of our season, which actually would be what a three nil win. But um, yes, that's, that's yes. Three points are coming. Called it here up the Mainz. Uh, the defense rests. No further questions, your honor. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Joel.